0: Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We talk today to Jim Peterson, who is the CEO of Valor Metals. They're a Canadian explorer with PGM asset in Brazil. They're part of the Discovery Group, which is also housed Kamenak, Northern Empire, Great Bear, Bluestone and Fireweed Zinc, who we've interviewed recently. We talked to Jim about how he intends to finance this project. They raised seven million to date. They're looking at their drill program for this year. Will need to go to market to raise a little bit more capital. We talk about their business plan and how he hopes to exit and monetize this particular asset. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello, Jim. How are you, sir? Hi, Matt. How are you? I'm doing well. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. I'm, I'm hold. I'm holed up at home. I guess you're doing the same thing. Absolutely. Good man. Good man. Right. Um, Jim, why don't we kick off, because it's a new story to our viewers of, of the show. Can you kick off and give us that 1-minute summary so they've got a bit of context and then we'll pick it up from there.
1: Sure. Valor is part of the discovery group. We're a group that is focused on exploration, discovery, project advancement in uh, minerals and mining. Uh, we have projects in Canada. And last year we acquired a project in Brazil, which is called Pedro Branca. It's a PGE project, so palladium, platinum, and uh, a little bit of gold. And that project is large. We got a large land package. There, there has been a lot of work done by historic explorers. We were able to put together a 43101 resource. So the the focus of the company in 2020 is exploration, discovery, resource expansion, and project
0: advancement. Beautiful. That's my one-minute pitch. That's a pretty good pitch, Jim. That's a pretty good pitch. Um, we've actually <laughs> interviewed one of your uh, one of the discovery companies, uh, Great Bear, previously. So, two, three, I guess. R- really? What do you mean? Bluestone, Fireweed, and Great Bear. Oh man! Of course, I forgot about Fireweed. Just well, just this week, I think was it? Yeah, fantastic. They, I like them. I like. That. I think it
1: was. I think you you forgot about because Brandon was in place with these weird. Multicolored lights behind him. and to, Maybe you were hit. To be
0: honest, I thought he was at a nightclub. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I want doubt
1: to it. say. <laughs> I, I highly doubt it. I'm <laughs> with Brandon. He's straight laced. No, he was
0: home. I know they they are where they are with the story and you know timing. Timing is timing. But uh, yeah, quite like the guy. Really good, good guy. Um. Why don't we actually talk about that? So, just, just I do want to get into the business plan for Valor because that's what we're here to talk about today. But maybe for again, for people who haven't heard the kind of discovery group story, why don't you kind of again just lay that out for them because some good names in there.
1: I think there's some great names in there, and that's the whole point. The point of the group isn't really necessary to build a power structure, but really build a framework that we can attract uh, really good people into the group. and. Uh, sometimes those really good people are very strong from a technical perspective and they want some corporate framework around them or support other times they're strong corporately but they lack technical expertise in the case of great bear it was a great example of we just got lucky where we recognized that Bob Singh and Chris Taylor were exceptional mm-hmm. and we invited them to come over and join the group and we were able to kind of wrap the discovery group around two tremendous technical minds. And then the discovery at, uh, at Dixie took us from there. So we got just as lucky as they did, probably quite a bit luckier, but we, we were able to uh, wrap that framework around them that they had all the admin they needed. We, we, we suggested a few board members to them. So they were able to build out their board and then um, help them with some financing at the early stages and some introduction to some institutional uh, capital and then the discovery process in terms of Gold exploration took, took the company from a million million dollar market cap Canadian to over 300Million in less than 2 years, like a rocket ship. And Bluestone was something similar because uh, the company had a negative working capital position. It was a, effectively a broken shell. And it was the relationship that John Robbins had um, with the, after the sale of Kamenak to Gold Corp, there was a good relationship there between John and, and some of the people there in the upper echelons of Goldcorp. And we were able to uh, acquire the Cerro Blanco project from Goldcorp, even though Bluestone had, I'm not joking, a negative working capital position. It was like a couple of million dollar shell broken, but they liked the group enough that we could use that as the vehicle. And then um, through our relationships, we were introduced to the Lundin family. They backed the company. And before long, we had this amazing team with hundreds of people on the ground in Guatemala, and this fully formed management team in Vancouver, and a board um, that operates at the highest level. So that's this is an example of how the Discovery Group can kind of be the kernel, um, but it's not really dictating how companies are running their day-to-day operation.
0: Well, that's the uh, that, that's the bit. Int- I know we should talk about, you know, Valor, but I'm um, I'm fascinated by the model because we've met, we've even interviewed a couple of companies that have set up a structure like yours, but talking about it uh, is not necessarily the same as delivering it. Okay. So it seems to me you've got access to capital and, you know, bringing in and making introductions is and you know, can, can be useful at times, but it's mostly surely about the access of capital. And you only get access to capital if you continue to deliver Success and, and I, you know, we've done our research. You, there's a kind of long list of success there. You, you've delivered successful exits, and is the name of the game, and you've also delivered shareholder value. So, I'm, I'm just kind of interested when did you when, when did this kick off? Because I think it was you talked about an original inception and then a re in 2006 and then a relaunch. Um, so what was the idea? What were you trying to do when you started off?
1: I was involved with the initial formation, but I wasn't one of the co-founders. That was John Robbins and yeah. um, some gentlemen out of Edmonton that put the thing together back in 2005. Mm-hmm. So I was my massive role and title at the time was the director of marketing for the Discovery Group. So right. I was a big shot at that time. But really, I was involved with all of it. And really, what the whole genesis was is uh, successful geologists that had had delivered success, as you said. Uh, in terms of M&A or capital raising or discovery, that said, wouldn't it be cool if we could kind of create this framework where other geologists that are, you know, hard driving, great technical minds, maybe they're stuck in a major mining company, you know, maybe they're um, struggling with a junior, but they've got some really great ideas. What if we brought them over here and kind of uh, wrapped some love around them? Give them them some support so they could focus on the things that they were really good at, and help of help them avoid a lot of the mistakes that these guys had made in the past. So that was it. So in the in the end, it just comes down to attracting good people because, um, you know, there are examples of. Mike Allen was a, was an example at Northern Empire, back in the day. I'd met Mike a long time ago. He actually was from the same hometown that I'm from, Prince George, British Columbia, Northern Canada. And uh, I got an email from him saying, Hey, I'm, I'm leaving the company I'm at. I'm going to take the summer off and uh, do a bunch of tasks around the house. When I received that email, I literally almost tackled the man on the street and, and we brought him in to run Northern Empire and he had some really great technical ideas. And then we were able to finance those ideas. Probably on his own, he wouldn't have been able to. But we were able to collect the capital around the great idea and build the team, and we were able to do a deal, which you can read up on. But basically, acquiring the Sterling project from Imperial when they were, um, you know, in the the great windstorm that they were in, we were able to offer them a cash deal, and and then within about a little over a year, we were able to sell it to Core Mining for a little over a hundred million dollars. So we bought it for thirteen million and so but we were able to raise the cash to begin with because of the discovery group credibility yeah that 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 kind of platform there but uh, yeah so we we start you know then we you're right then then we relaunched again after we had the Kamenak win because what happened at Kamenak was uh, Goldcorp acquired Kamenak and a lot of the people at Kamenak went to Goldcorp so we had this big office floor in Vancouver and almost 3 quarters of the people left and so we were saying, okay, what, what do we do here? Do we, uh, do we retire or, or do we double down? Because 2016 was pretty, still pretty bad market and we had a bit of a Gold run there, but it was still hard. And what we decided instead, let's double down. So we took the lease over, we subletted it from, from Gold Corp and, um, and we invited people like Chris Taylor and, and Bob Singh to join, join the group. We did the same, you know, we kind of ramped up uh, Northern Empire we were leveraging our success with Kaminak to help us raise money for Northern Empire and the teams sort of started to build. And before you knew it, we almost had too many people in on the floor. Whereas, you know, six months earlier we were almost vacant, mm. uh, but we made the decision, no, we're going to go for it. We're going to leverage our name. We're going to build a group, attract good people. That'll bring great projects and money.
0: It's, it's interesting. The, the bit that fascinates me there is how you go about identifying what good looks like. You know, g- good geologists is one thing. And you, you, you said a few things there. you're saying, you know, you've got to help them not, some of them have good ideas and then you've got to help them not have bad ideas. So you've got to get involved. But you've also said, we then let them run the company. We don't get involved with the company. So is that because you kind of set the terms or the parameter under which you will help them get financed and then you set them free and don't. You know, get involved, or do you have board seats? Do you continue to just put the odd suggestion in there? How, how does it work? Because I, I, I couldn't possibly as an investor, sit, you know, go well. What what should I be looking for other than good management team? You're you kind of a step earlier than that. It's like you're you're defining what good management looks like. So, wh- how does that process work internally?
1: I, I don't think in in the kind of setup that we have for Discovery Group, we're saying we're going to place people in all of these roles in this company. I think what you need to do is try to attract one or two people in the early formation of that company and trust that they will have good contacts and good ideas to build their team accordingly, so that it's a team that they have ownership on. And you know, you can make suggestions for board of directors, but you don't want to, we're not like putting six people onto the board and say, Hey, we're we're actually you know, the de facto boss of this thing. That's not how it works because, you know, we don't, we can't dilute our time either. You know, we want to have good people. We have a, what we call a no-asshole policy and we're very stringent on that. And other than that, you know, we want high quality people right. that um, in fact are better at their jobs than we are. And that's the key.
0: Talk, talk, but talk, me, talk, me through the, talk me through the no asshole policy. What that? People like us—is that what you mean? I mean, yes, exactly. I'm
1: looking right at you, and I'm saying that. <laughs> no, not at all. We're having a good. We're having a good time. No, you know what? It's just people that you enjoy working with. I think it really comes down to: um, Does everybody, for example, on the board or on the management team, treat others with respect? Do they? listen to them, they may not always agree with them, but do they give them a chance to say their piece? Because in in all cases, in our in our group or the individual companies, people are there for a reason. They know what they're doing in that role, and they should actually be able to give great intelligence of what they're seeing, how they're perceiving it, and there may be an issue with how they communicate that to other people. Some people don't understand all the intricacies of certain job functions, but you know, don't interrupt you know let people finish their sentence let let that conversation be respectful and and that's a good way to see it and then and another thing too is is no no backstabbing you know if somebody doesn't say anything when everyone's in the room and then they tear someone down behind their back in my mind that would fit that policy and i don't want to work with them cuz we don't have to work with people like that
0: yeah i i i didn't dare interrupt there
1: uh, Thank you. That was the purpose <laughs> of me setting it up like I, that. that.
0: That's what I thought. That's what I thought, Jim. Um, yeah. Right. We better talk about this. Uh, the, 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 well, it's not, it's not a new company per se. Um, it's a new vehicle. So t- tell <clears> us <throat> about Valor because obviously it's, it seems to be, have been around for a while, but what's happened recently? What have you done?
1: Okay. I'll, I will tell you a bit of the genesis of it though. I mean, we had a company called Kamanak, which was a, at the time, a project generator. And that company had projects across Canada, including 3 Uranium projects in the territory of Nunavut, which is in Northern Canada. And one of the specifically the project, which we call Anglac, had great promise, we thought. And so we, we pushed that project along with the 2 others into a new company called Kibbelik Energy Corporation. And that started trading in 2008. So that was spun out of Kamenak and then Kaminaq started focusing more and more on gold, and specifically the project, Coffee, in the Yukon Territory, and that was the project that Goldcorp bought the company for. But so that company, Kiblik, um that that had, we had great success on the exploration front from a from a uranium perspective. We had great credibility with the the Canadian investors, and we actually had some very strong uh, support from Europe and Hong Kong globally we had we were delivering expiration results and then there came a time a couple of years after fukushima that people just said every time you have success you provide a liquidity event for all these other schmucks that aren't long-term shareholders so you guys are delivering success and they're selling into it and then the price the next financing is lower and lower and lower It's because the the spot price of uranium was coming down from 70 it went down almost to 17 bucks a pound so we couldn't win and frankly we got told I got personally tired of telling investors like it's going to turn around next year trust me because we were always wrong and uh you know i can see it right now people are thinking that uranium price is going to turn around again and my my feeling on that is yeah when it does we'll be ready we already own the asset you know, we can we can take advantage of the market if the, if the project comes back, we have it. But but frankly, um, I looked at the success that we had as a group with Bluestone and Northern Empire and said, look, there are actually really good projects out there that have not received TLC from the, the, the management team. They haven't been spending money on exploration. They haven't kept up with the times in terms of innovation and database management or um, satellite imagery or these things that are, you know, becoming more and more common. These this particular company wasn't implementing those strategies, and you know we 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 have a group of investors that follow us for our expiration discovery chops. So, so with Bluestone, with both Bluestone and Northern Empire, I said to myself, okay, let's do something similar with Valor, where where uh, at the time it was Kibelek. Let's roll it back, give it some latitude to go out and look for opportunities where there's been substantial money invested by prior operators. There's There's big, big district scale potential and specifically it's been, you know, malinvestment or underinvestment by previous operators with respect to exploration and discovery. And so we, you know, looked at a whole bunch of different projects and then we found this uh, project called Pedro Branca, which is in Northeastern Brazil. There was quite a bit of data available. There was a lot of good work that went into exploration on that project and it was stalled and our pitch to the owner of that company which uh, that project which is called Jingata mines they're listed on the AIM uh, we said look we you know we've had some success we can raise money and our shareholders like expiration so we believe this is an expiration story we think it's financeable and we would like to invest in 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 expiration so we came to terms and we acquired 100% of the project okay that was last year
0: that was, yeah, last you know, because again, I was, I'm just looking at share price. You know, I'm, so when when did when did you do that rollback? Was that end of 2016, beginning of 2017, did, or when was that? Uh, 18, 18. It was 18, so you were there. And then, okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then so we roll it we rolled it back 10 for one, and we did a rights offering, and which we closed in early 2019.
0: Right. Okay. Okay. And so, then
1: once once okay. that was done, we had the capital to go out and make the acquisition.
0: Right. Okay. So, so nineteen. So, okay. It, it had been up in the highs, was falling away. You did a rollback, and then I guess last year and, and this has been flat. We we'll call it flatlining. There's been a few bumps along the way, but you kind of, kind of flatlining. as you what? Because you were going through a process of identifying the um, the Pedro Branca asset and setting things up is that is that you I mean what, how would you describe 2019
1: well let's and if we're speaking with 100% candor which I know is I can tell by your personality you appreciate but one of the things which I didn't quite understand in the in the process of doing a rights offering when you do a rights offering if you do the rights offering at a substantially lower price than when it, where it's trading in order to reward shareholders once that's done, or as that's coming to a close, even though they say they're long term, many people that hold the stock are pounding you in the market so yeah. that they can get the cheap yeah. entry price. Now we didn't have a warrant associated with it, but they it was still, let's say it was trading at twenty-one cents. They looked out three months and said, I can sell the stock at twenty cents and buy in the in the rights offering at ten because you know, there is that time frame or that gap in between when you have the right yeah. When you receive the right, then you have to exercise the right. So, you know, we got blasted right down to the beginning of January. And then we had to rebuild. And so, you know, I could look back and say, look, the valuation of the company prior to this rights offering suggests that we should be at 35 cents a share. We did the rights offering at 10, we're now at 12, we're undervalued. But they looked at it and said, well, you know, it traded to 12 cents a share. I'm not going to pay 25 or 30. So we had to rebuild that. Then we structured the deal, which then got it roughly 25 cents a share. That was kind of how we valued things for that acquisition. And so then um, that was done. We had to do a financing in order to, there was a cash component and a share component for that. Right. So we raised a little over $3 million at 25 cents a share. Okay.
0: How much, how, is that, how much have you raised in total? Since 2019? No. So on valor of the company, as you would describe it today, you know cuz obviously it's got a long history that I don't want to go back there I'm talking about like as for for the project from the point that you did the rollback I guess would probably be the moment to look at
1: yeah so we we've, we've raised on the order of 7 million canadian if you include some warrant exercises recently that right. uh insiders did at 35 cents which was actually a premium to market at the time and now it's substantially uh, above the the share price right okay but that's sort of on that on that order because we did the rights offering the financing the acquisition financing and then some warrant exercises
0: right okay so you've described the type of company you are and the and the, and the way that you finance the the assets that you come into the projects that you come come into so i i understand that what i want to get from you now is maybe maybe we talk about what you think you bought what You think you've acquired, you know? I know palladium was hot last year, it still continues to be, you know, very, very attractive catalytic converters, etc. But, um, give us that, give us that history of you know what it was that you saw in this particular asset because you know you probably had a few choices. Why go for this one?
1: Yeah, I, I think generally, I don't, and I've been in the business about 20 years, 23 years, and generally. I don't have the strategy that I will acquire or want to acquire a project just because the mineral is hot. I mean, I've seen that I think what you get away with when you do that is one financing. And then usually the whole market, you know, you realize that you've financed at a top, you flame your shareholders, and then the price of that commodity dips because obviously it's been at a high. So, you know, we weren't looking at this because we were thinking palladium and platinum, let's say, were hot. Well, that's what I'm getting I think at. What we really liked about it.
0: But that's what I'm getting at, yeah. Jim. Okay. is I wanted to understand if you know if what you were thinking was because I get approached all the time by brokers going, "Hey, do you know of any assets in this category, this category, this category?" Because it's going to be hot for the next nine months, and I know what's coming. That's a that's a pump and dump, and I know who's going to get hurt. It's going to be the retail guys again. So that's why I'm interested in the way that you go about thinking about this you're looking to get this thing built out you know, maybe not get into mining just build the mine yourself but at least build it out so that it can become a mine at some point is that the mentality of the board and yourself
1: yeah i think you need to be able to <clears throat> well there's is a mixture it needs it can't be in a completely pessimistic market because then it becomes very difficult to raise money and even the the most loyal and supportive shareholders, if they have any sense, say, we don't want to finance at at a complete market trough. It just goes against human nature. Um, There needs to be some interest in it, Uh, but I don't think it needs to be at at a peak or a climax. I think what you need is, you need to be able to raise enough money. You need to be able to sustain cycles, understanding that um, things go up and down. Um, And so you need to be able to raise enough money and have enough interest that you can hit milestones, whether it's a good market or bad market. If it's a terrible market, it's real tough. Like uranium would be an example, where it just got so bad for long enough that even hard asses like me just said, "Man, we got to look around at other opportunities. Let's let's hold on to the asset, but we this, can't continue to." You
0: know, you know, this is the week for uranium, don't you? It, it's finally happened <laughs> again. <laughs>
1: we, No, no, we we still have the we still have the asset. That's the beautiful thing. I'm not feeling left behind. I have no FOMO. If that if that spot price starts gapping, and believe me, I remember very very clearly near the end of 2010, when that when that spot price was gapping five six bucks a week, and it was exciting. And that's when those guys were calling you saying, "Hey, do you know of any uranium stories? We need something that's hot. Do you? I mean, uranium." Was hot at the time. Money was getting thrown at the sector, that the, the sector didn't have enough time to build out with all the entrepreneurial promoters. So there were only ten or fifteen names, and so all of this capital from Toronto, New York, London, Hong Kong, what have you, was focused in on, on several companies like less than twenty, and they went up ten times. So I've seen it happen. The problem is, you know that that could be short lived. So you need a project that you know that. Of the surviving investment audience, when things aren't hot, you can still put together the money to achieve your milestones. No, and so there's certain things when I look when I look at um, this Pedro Branco project, we love it because um, we flew into an international airport. There's a port there. There's highways to the project. Um, there are roads all over the property. the The mineralization seems to be at surface. High grade stuff at surface. Um, it looks like the mining will be simple and the expiration will be simple i like that you know you don't you don't want like a real head scratcher in a tough market condition you want simple attributes so we still consider this an expiration project we, we we have targets there that have um, known resources but we think we can grow them the real thing for us is we've got expiration upside and that's what our group likes doing we think it is completely underexplored
0: Okay, but so, what have you bought? You raised seven million bucks. You've bought an asset. Have you bought it, and have you paid actual cold hard cash, or have you optioned it, or what do the finances look like?
1: We paid cold hard cash and cold hard stock. Okay, so we issued. So we paid uh, roughly three million Canadian. Mm-hmm. We've completely paid that up now. We've made the final payment earlier this this year. Actually, this calendar year. And we issued. Uh, we will end up issuing 25 million shares. So far, we've issued 22 and a half million. But you know, the deal is basically 25 million shares of, of Valor and three million cash Canadian for 100% ownership of the project.
0: Perfect. So, what do you think you bought, and what do you know? We bought a lot of data, and uh, we
1: have put a 43 resource mm-hmm. around that. So, we have uh, five zones that make up a little over a million ounces of palladium and platinum. Mm -hmm. And we think uh, several of those zones are ripe for expansion. But what we really like is the exploration potential there because, um, for example, uh, very high quality airborne surveys were flown. There's lots of soil geocams, something like 10,000 geocam points. Um, You know, we've got a lot to work with. Uh, No one had yet sort of pulled the whole thing together, reprocessed it using modern data technology, the satellite imagery, pull the whole thing together. You know, what what we're really known for as a group is we lay out our targets and people trust us that we have good targeting methodology and then we go test them. And if we prove through the drill bit that we have good targeting and we have success with drilling, then the market can trust us when we say, we're going to now try to add these drill intervals and these zones to our resource inventory. So we're going to start ro- growing the resource base. We did that with uh, with Angelac and at, on the uranium front. We did that with Kaminaq. You know, we that's our that's what our group does. Well, that, we talked to Brandon with Fireweed.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's not, that's,
1: yeah. so just great great exploration group. That's what we are.
0: Yeah, but what I've got to trust is your experience, the management teams processes that it follows and having have you know continued success. That's what I'm buying into because as an investor exploration I, I get that it's the best if it hits, it hits great and the returns are fantastic. But nineteen times out of twenty they, they don't really hit. So I'm buying into your ability to identify something that's good, to finance it to a point where you can de-risk it. Enough to kind of get some some big money in. In the meantime, I'm coming along for the ride, and I'm buying into you guys. That that that's the that's the truth of it, right? So, yeah. With with the historical data that you've got, or you must have done some diligence on this stuff to go. What we see here is, what I mean. what what, what did you see? What's the potential for this thing? I know it's early days, but you don't go and raise seven million bucks with, you know, on a whim thinking, we're great at exploration, we'll find something. What, what did you, what were you told?
1: Well, going through the database, we we recognized that there were certain zones had a lot of information on them. One of them is, is Borrow, which, you know, over 90 holes and um, a lot of data in something like that and pretty well defined resource. Uh, the other areas, that we saw in the south and the north had the beginnings of uh, you know drilling that would suggest that if we properly use geophysics and geochem, we could expand those targets pretty substantially. So, what do you ask? What we see, I see. I do see a district. I see the potential in the north and the central and the south to really build out a lot of ounces, and um, and make this project something that a major mining company, either in precious metals or more specifically palladium or platinum would come in and say, this is the kind of project we need to buy. We need to own this thing. This is um, this will take us through many cycles in the pricing of PGs <clears throat> and uh, not give us a whole bunch of hassle in terms of mining. Um, the locals are supportive. And it's worth us investing in a new area because a lot of these, um, you know, there's lots of precious metals mining in Brazil. Like the gold mining is something that's well recognized or, and practiced in Brazil. But if you don't see um, the big palladium producers or platinum producers in Brazil right now. So, what would make it worth it for them to go in there and stick their toe in and move into Brazil? We think um, we need to do some exploration work. It's going to take us a couple of years probably 2-years to start to, 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 to demonstrate that.
0: Okay. So you, you mentioned a, a key word there and sometimes people use it very casually, which is the word district, like district-wide, right? So in your mind, you think this is genuinely has district-wide potential. That's not a marketing phrase you're using casually or, or is it?
1: It's a marketing phrase I'm using casually.
0: Nice work. Good. Job done. Thank you. <laughs> And that's how you do it, guys. No, it is you know <laughs> wrap it up. No. I
1: I here's what I think of a district. I think, you know, multiple mines that will last um, trough and, and top and trough and top of, of pricing cycles in the commodity. So it's it's a mining complex. It's whether there are multiple companies involved, there are definitely multiple mining operations involved and worthwhile of all the infrastructure that's necessary to build out a mining district, you know, because it it is, you have to make a significant investment to have a mining district and it's got to last, you know, more than 20 years. It can't be, you know, one mine one year and we just have exploration samples over a big swath of ground. So it's a district. That's not how I see it. And I don't, and I think, you know, whether you're talking to retail investors or not, in the end, we only win really through successfully getting this to a point where stronger hands can come in and buy it from us or a joint venture with us or something that shows that we monetize this accretively and they're not going to be fooled by mark what do you what did you call it? Marketing ploys, uh, you know, saying in a district if it's not.
0: Okay. So you've got two years ahead of you for expiration. Are you financed for that or are you going to need to raise more capital?
1: Yeah, we're going to need to raise my, and you add uh, You asked Brandon how much, and he said very little. And what does that mean? Yeah, we have a similar type of uh, finances. Um, A little bit different uh, on this side, though. Um, Yeah, we we have generally found ourselves in that position as a uranium explorer literally since 2012. So we can handle it. Great support from Discovery Group players and insiders. If your investors are interested, SEDI is a very good place to look up if the management team is supportive or not and insiders of Valor are very supportive. Uh, we don't have money. We have several th- hundred thousand dollars, as Brandon said, um, similar to, to Fireweed, although they just announced a financing, so they're probably out of the woods right now. Um, we'll need to do a financing. What I was waiting for though, to do the financing, really to go to market was clarity on the drill program, use of proceeds and, and clarity that once we announced the drill program would start, we wouldn't have any kind of issues with permitting delays. So right now, I feel pretty comfortable that we could start drilling if we wanted to. I'm going to propose something to the board. If the board approves that, you know, we can go to market and announce the financing. In the meantime, though, um, you know, there is strong support by insiders. So
0: okay, so that that's we feel
1: comfortable. But it's you know, it's, it's not a slam dunk. It's not a slam dunk, but there's support. The company's not going away.
0: Okay, so it's it's, it's mining. Nothing's a slam dunk in mining, right? So, but um, what yeah. you're saying is, that in the process. I thank you for explaining it. So you kind of. You've got enough cash for now. We work out what your drill program looks like. Um sort out your permitting position because investors want to hear that. And then you'll work out how much you need to take you through to whatever kind of drill program you lay out. But what sort of number would we be talking about at that point?
1: You know, I think we'd be hard pressed if we weren't really rocking it to to spend more than three million dollars on drilling drilling in a year to eighteen months. Because one of the things in, in Canada, for, particularly in Northern Canada, you can spend a lot of money very quickly because the drilling contractors are basically fly in, you know, and they're working 24-7. And so you have two shifts and, you know, they're really rocking And Money is, fuel is very expensive and so you burn through cash very quickly. In Brazil, uh, what we're recognising is, you know, they can drive to site, they can stay in a town, things happen slower, you know, you spend slower. Um, so, you, but you don't spend as much money. The only thing that we'll have to do is sort of instruct our investor audience that they can't expect the productivity in terms of drilling like they get in Canada, in Brazil, because they're not running, you know, three shifts or two shifts all day long, rocking it out they're, um But the benefit is that, you know, it costs a lot less.
0: Why don't you do that? I mean, you know, the, you, you pay for the drill by the day, don't you? Or do you pay by the meter? What, how are you structuring your contracts?
1: It, it depends on uh, the contractor, but you would uh, buy the meter.
0: Okay. Okay. So then I guess it doesn't really matter uh, to, that, to that degree. Um, but okay, so your plan is district-wide uh, approach. You've got to get enough information on that district during an expiration phase you're then going to have to evaluate what it is that you've got, right? And, and at what point do you start mm-hmm. having conversations where someone else steps in? Because you're talking about the mid-tiers or big boys coming in and if you, if you can identify something which is truly district-wide. So where do you take this up to? You know, what, what's your process for getting there? Do you already have people in mind?
1: Oh, well, there aren't very many uh, PGM producers, so you know, there's a, there are a few, right? Um, they're making noises that they want to um, diversify out of South Africa. You can even read that. They're publicly saying it. They want to get out. They're making moves. They're making acquisitions in North America. They haven't said though in their in their uh, press releases, we're looking at PGM projects in Brazil. They haven't been that specific. But I think what it's our job to start delivering to them the news that they can read from South Africa or North American base this is a project that is advancing and, and they can sort of see that it's worthwhile discussing. We're going to let our results speak for us. And um, in the meantime, though, I think we've got a really good audience of uh, Canadian investors, both retail and institutional, that tend to back us when, uh, when we have a clear use of proceeds and an expiration plan. So it's sort of a step process. Right now, you know, we have credibility. People think, okay, if the a discovery group company, and specifically Valour, has an expiration proposal, it's worth backing. We think that the targeting is usually logical and and yields good results. And then, if we can yield good results, um, you know that audience can expand uh, to people that may not have heard of the group. They'll just look at the results and and start supporting us. So um, then, I think. We'll, after some success and experience, I'd be comfortable talking to some of the bigger players in the TGM space yeah. and saying, I know you haven't heard of the project, or you may have preconceived notions, but here's what we found and here's what we think we can deliver. And uh, those are good conversations to
0: have. Yeah. Okay. And I get that it's early days, but I just, I just want to understand where are you positioning the company? What are you, what are you trying to build? And I think you painted a picture for me today of what it is that you're trying to create with this asset within the discovery group. Okay. Um, so, how much money have you put in? Um, I have 18 million shares
1: out of 90. Uh, the last million I bought was at 35 cents.
0: Okay. So you're, uh, you're don't in tell it. my
1: wife. You're in don't it. Tell, don't tell my wife where I'm at. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know what? Uh, in twenty eighteen, in twenty eighteen, um, outside of out of um, Valor, I had a couple of wins. And my personal opinion is that I would never, ever, ever ask anybody to put money into a deal if I wasn't doing it myself. I can't do it. I don't respect people who do it. I don't respect them. If they're saying this is a great deal and you ask them how much they're putting in and they say, well, I already take enough of a risk because my salary comes from this company and if the company does something wrong and I lose my job, what a risk? And I just go, no, forget it. So that's me. I'm aligned with that. A lot of people I work with say I'm a little a little in too deep, you know, I'm going a little too crazy, but um, I love this project. I have, I can see the vision for it. I know that it's the perfect project for our group right now in terms of its stage I think we're going to get a lot of mileage doing what we do best. And then there'll come a point when um, I'm not the best person to run the company, because it it gets into uh, different elements that I'm I'm not particularly interested in, and I'm certainly not good at. So, you know, that'll happen. And when it does, I'll I'll be happy to be a supportive shareholder.
0: Who's going to give you that good news? (laughs) I don't
1: know. I don't know. Uh, But I welcome it when it comes.
0: Okay. Um, bring it on. Bring it <laughs> bring on. It on. Uh, like Chip, you know, for, there's a first pass uh, talking to you um, about Valor. It's, it's new to our viewers. So I do appreciate you spending the time um, when you're at home and could be doing much more interesting things, I'm sure. So um, like, do stay in touch. Uh, I'll stay in touch with some of your other guys as well to see what they're up to because you've got some you've got good companies in the portfolio. It's a t- tidy ship that you run there. so. Um, like I say we'd, we'd be delighted to hear well, from again, you or any I, of again them. I'm
1: hardly I'm hardly running I'm hardly running it right I mean it's I'm, we're not running it well just, um, that's the whole point of the group that you've, you've got great people in the group and they and they're captains of their own destiny
0: beautiful okay well like in touch pick up the phone if there's something uh, you want to talk to us about um, any advice you need uh, and we will uh, we'll speak to you again soon <laughs>
1: thanks so much great platform and great interview thanks Matt cheers